May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Merry Christmas! I want to say Merry Christmas to the North Campus. Glad you guys are joining us by video feed today. Uh, Merry Christmas to you as well. Um, And I'm so glad that you've chosen to spend Christmas Eve at church. Because how appropriate that you would tap into the true meaning of Christmas by celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, Because that's what Christmas is really all about. Now, my favorite Christmas memory growing up as a kid was my dad taking home videos of us on Christmas morning. We were opening up presents, um, and it was something we did every single year. My dad um, didn't have, well, obviously, back in those days, there were no iPhones and no iPads, and so what my dad had was an 8-millimeter video camera, okay? Now... If you're under 30 years old, you have no idea what an 8mm camera is. But it's a, it's a camera that comes in like, it's a, kind of a big box looking type thing. And when you took the film to be developed, like you got back like a literal disc of movie film that you would play on a projector. And so that's what all of our home videos are. They're, the, they're, they're on film. Now, my dad always wanted to make sure that we, he, like, he had a really good picture and so on the videos. And so what he had, he had a special light on top of this video camera that was like really, really bright. Okay? It was called the Sylvania Sun Gun. Literally, that was the name of this thing. And now, Consider this, the average light bulb in your house is about 60 watts. Sometimes you can find a light bulb that's like really bright, it's like 90, maybe even 100 watts. Well, I looked up the specs for the Sylvania sun gun and I printed them out. This light was 650 watts. I mean, you could tan under this thing. I mean, it was, un- I'm telling you, it was the sun gun. And get this, on the specs for this thing, it literally says this. It says, it says, your sun gun may smoke for a few seconds after you first turn it on. <laughs> and then it says this, it says, don't worry about this. <laughs> like, don't worry, it's smoking. Are you kidding me? So anyway, so here's how Christmas morning went for us. My, you know, my brother and I, we were, you know, be in our room and they wouldn't allow us to come out until like they had everything set up, you know, dad had the video camera and then, you know, the sun gun on and that kind of thing. And so then he would say, okay, boys, y'all coming out. And so then, you know, we'd march down the stairs. But here's the thing with that huge, bright light, all of our home movies look like this. They look like, because oh, it was so bright. I mean, you just, you couldn't see anything. And it's like, I, and I, I knew my dad was back there somewhere behind this light, you know, but I couldn't see him. And, and we just kept pressing on because we knew we were heading towards something good. You know, that, that's just how it always went for us. And, you know, we eventually got used to the light and that kind of thing. And, you know, our eyes eventually adjusted. But I, I do think I still have retina burn as an adult from that whole experience. But here's the deal. I know what it's like to be blinded by a literal light every Christmas. But all of, it's, all of us know what it's like to be blinded by a painful experience in life. And while that's more figurative, the effects are the same, especially like if it's something that's sudden or unexpected, something like a job loss or a bad diagnosis, a separation, someone unexpectedly passes away, or an accident, 
or really, you know, like a really big blow up fight. I mean, we are become blinded by those whole, by those experiences. And, and we can't, we can't always see God in those moments. Our Heavenly Father, we know He's at work somewhere behind it all, but you know, we just can't see Him. And so we just decide the best thing to do is just to press on in life, even though like we just hope we're heading towards something good, but we're you know, maybe not even sure about that. And it's in those moments when we're blinded by our pain, we're blinded by our fear, we're blinded by the unknown, it's in those moments that our faith can evaporate like that. And I think all of us have been there at some point in time. So how do we get past those blinding experiences in life? Because we're all going to have them at some point. So in those moments, what do we do? Well, this Christmas Eve, I'm so glad that we get the chance to look at the Christmas story because Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus experienced some blinding moments, some things that they did not possibly see coming. And, but it's through those experiences that they never lost their faith. Their faith never evaporated. Well, how? I mean, what was it that they knew that we don't know? What was it about them that we need to adopt in our lives so that when we go through these blinding experiences, our faith doesn't evaporate either? So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. Let's start by asking this question. What can I do to make sure I keep my faith in God during a blinding experience? Well, here's the first thing. Number one is this. Don't fear a winding road. Don't fear a winding road. Now, when Mary and Joseph left their house in Bethlehem, I'm mean, sorry, left their house in Nazareth to head to Bethlehem, they probably thought they'd be gone about a month because they probably anticipated there's a pretty good chance that Mary's going to have this baby while they're gone. So they were, they were prepared to be gone, not just like a week, they were probably prepared to be gone for about a month. But there is no possible way they could have anticipated that when they walked out of their door of their door in Nazareth that afternoon that they would not return for more than six years there's no way they could have known that and after they got to Bethlehem they were blinded by that whole experience of having to flee and run for their lives and God put them on a long winding road that would cover a very, very long time. So let's read about it and let's read what happened. And as we do, I want us to follow this winding, unexpected road that Mary and Joseph found themselves on. So in Luke chapter 2, beginning of verse 1, it says this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up, and I want you to underline this, from the town of Nazareth, that's where they started, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, in, to Judea to Bethlehem. I want you to underline to Bethlehem, the town of David. Now, Bethlehem in the north, from there, it's, I'm sorry, from Nazareth in the north, it's about a 90-mile walk on foot to Nazareth in the south. It was 90 miles for them. It says this is because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and put him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And then the story picks up in Matthew chapter 2. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, I want you to underline Jesus was born in Bethlehem because that's where for Jesus it all started. In Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. I want you to underline escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Then verse 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and, and I want you to underline the rest of this, lived in a town called Nazareth. Okay, sir. Are you getting this? Okay. They started out in Nazareth, and then they ended up in Nazareth. Okay? I want you to look at this on a map. Let's put this up here. They started out in Nazareth in the north, and they went from Nazareth to Bethlehem, Bethlehem to Egypt, and then Egypt back to Nazareth. This is... This journey took them more than six years and covered over 700 miles, only to end up back where they started. Because look, here's the thing, because families in those days were like really, really close, what they would do is, um, family members, they would just move down the street from where they had started from. So when Mary and Joseph came back, they moved, probably moved either down the street from his parents or they added on a couple of rooms to his parents' house and just lived there. So at the farthest, they lived down the street from where they started. But they had to go through this long, winding, unexpected road in life to get there. And I wonder if Joseph ever thought, God, we're pretty much back to where we started. So why did we have to go on this long, winding road to get there? And as far as we know, God never answers this question for Joseph. God never explains himself. And by the way, have you figured out that God rarely explains himself to anyone? You know, he rarely explains himself to you or to me. And the truth is, he doesn't really owe us an explanation for anything that he does. And I'm sure that Mary and Joseph felt blinded by having to suddenly flee to go to Egypt to go to this foreign land with no family, no support, no carpentry shop, and a new baby. That had to be a very difficult experience, but that was the road that God had them on. But God accomplished an awful lot on their long winding road. There, he, a divine pregnancy to a woman who was a virgin, the birth of the Son of God, the visit of three wise men from the east, the giving of incredibly expensive gifts 
to this baby, shepherds who showed up at, at the request of an army of angels that appeared in the sky, Joseph being warned in a dream to flee for their lives, and then that same angel appearing to him six years later, telling him to go back and settle in the town where he came from. I'm telling you, all of that stuff happened on this long, winding road. And so you know what? When the Lord puts you on a winding road in life, don't fear it. When something happens that's totally unexpected, and you're blinded, and you're hurt by the whole experience, don't fear. Because God is at work. He's behind it all. You might not be able to see him at work, but he's there. And he's asking you to trust him. And some of you, you know, you've just completed a long, winding journey. Some of you are on that long, winding journey now. Some of you have yet to be on one of those. But to all of us, God would say this. He would say, don't fear a long, winding road. Because there are some things that I want to accomplish on that road, and I want to use you to do it. There are some people that I want to use you to affect on that winding road. There are some things that I want to do in you that I can best accomplish while you are on that road. So please, just trust me. And in the end, God might even bring you back to a place that's pretty familiar, to a place that seems like it's much the same as the place that you left at, way back in the beginning. And you might think, God, I went through all of that to just to come back to the same place. But while the place might be the same, you won't be the same. And that's the point. Because God has you on a road for a reason. So if you're on that road, or when you're on that road, trust him. Just like Mary and Joseph did. Okay, there's a second key lesson for when we encounter a blinding experience, and that's this. Number two, believe a good future awaits. I, I, I need to just believe that a good future awaits. Now, you want to talk about some guys who had a blinding experience in life. Look no farther than the good shepherds, okay? Because these guys, they were tending their flocks at night while Jesus was born, and all of a sudden an angel appears in the sky, and the light is so bright that it literally scares them to death, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, like the whole sky is filled literally with an army of these angels, and they're just blinded by the Holy Spirit. Let's read about it. It's in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring in, I don't want you to underline what he says here, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. See, even though these shepherds were blinded by the experience, there was a good future ahead for them. 
For them, it was to go and see Jesus, who had been born in a manger in Bethlehem. Now, their road wasn't nearly as long and winding as it was for Mary and Joseph, but they probably had to search for more than one stable before they found one that had a baby in it. But they eventually did. And when they found that right one, they also found the Christ child. See, they believed in something that something good awaited. And they searched until they found it, until they found him. And when you are blinded by experiences in life that you didn't see coming, look, you just have to believe that a good future awaits. Because it does. See, God is not ever going to leave you hanging out to dry. Now, it might feel like that at times, but God has a way of, he has a way of just working things out for the good. I'm not saying, you know, that if you, you know, if you believe in God, that this good future that awaits means that you're going to have more money or a bigger car or a bigger house or anything materialistic like that. In fact, anyone who tells you that is lying. It's just simply not true. But God does say in the Bible that he has good plans in store for those who follow him. Okay? Look what the angel said to the shepherd. Look at that part I had you underlined. It says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So what's the good news the angel's talking about? It's the good news that Jesus is born. Look, that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why on today, Christmas Eve, literally hundreds and hundreds of millions of people all over the world are going to gather in churches singing the praises of this baby who was born on Christmas Eve so many thousands of years ago because the birth of Jesus is what started the process for the sins of every man, woman, and child that has ever been born and that ever will be born so that their sins could be forgiven. That's why we celebrate Jesus. That's why his birth is so incredibly significant. Because when Jesus was born, he was born with one destiny in mind so that he could eventually provide a way for your sins to be forgiven so that you could go to heaven when you die. See, it's not as if, like, if you just live a good life and you have more good deeds than your bad deeds and your good deeds cancel out all the bad ones and so if you have some good ones left over, then you're going to get in. That's not how it works. The Bible never says that at all. What the Bible does say is that if you or I have even one sin in our lives, we cannot get to heaven on our own. And God knew that. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be born. So that Jesus could live a perfect life, so he, never had, he didn't need anybody to forgive him of his sins because he didn't have any. And so when he died, that means that his death could pay the price for your sins and for my sins. But we have to ask him to forgive us and receive that forgiveness. Now, the expectation is, is that from that point forward, that you would live your life for Christ, to follow Christ. You know, and that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if God is going to, or if Jesus is going to forgive you for everything that you've ever done and ever will do, and he's going to let you go to heaven when you die, then is it really too much for him to ask for you to live your life for him while you live here on this earth? Well, of course not. 
That's what being a Christ follower is all about. It's following Jesus with your life because of what he's done for you. And that starts by asking him to forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked Jesus to forgive you for everything that you've ever done wrong in your entire life? If not, there's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes on the back. I want want everybody to look at that prayer right now. Everybody look at it. And I want you to ask yourself, have you ever prayed this prayer at any time in your life before? I'm going to read it. And as I read it, I want you to think think about if you've ever prayed it before. And if you haven't, then I'm going to give you a chance to pray this prayer when we get to the end. So here's the prayer. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me even when I've ignored you and gone my own way. I believe in you and that you died on the cross for me. Please forgive me for all my sins. I commit to change my ways and follow you right now. Thank you for making me a new person inside. Help me grow in my faith and trust in you. Amen. Now look, here's the thing. If you've never prayed that prayer before and you're ready to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you for everything you've ever done and you're ready to follow him, then I want you to pray that prayer when we get to the end of the message today. And for those of you that choose to become Christ followers today, that good future that awaits you is heaven when you die. And for some of you, the reason that you have had a blinding experience, the reason you've been on a long, winding road is because God knew that's what it would take to get you to this point where you would be, choose to become a Christ follower. And so for the, if that's you, look, I'm not saying that God caused bad things to happen, but God can use those things, and he regularly does, for good purposes in our life. And if God has brought you to this place tonight through a long, winding, difficult, or painful experience so that you could choose to become a Christ follower, then in the end, you'll look back and say, that was a good thing. And if you're already a Christ follower, if that's you, then God has a good future waiting for you here on this earth. Now, I I can't give you the details of what that means because I don't know, because there's so many of us with different things going on in our lives, so it can mean a million different things. But I can promise you this, that God has good plans for you in your life. He has a good future waiting for you, and his plan is to bring you good, not harm, for all of your life. That doesn't mean that you'll never experience challenge or difficulty, but it means that God would never abandon you, ever. And remember, even when you are blinded by a difficult experience, remember, God is behind it all. He's working and moving, even if you can't see him, and he's asking you just to trust him and continue to move forward and press on because good things await. That was true for Mary and Joseph. That was true for me as a kid on Christmas morning with the light. And it's true for you in your life. If you'll just trust him and press on. So I want you to find your connection card. Let's take some next steps together. Here's this first one. I will trust God when I feel blinded by life. Is that you? Would you choose to believe that? That I'm just going to choose God. I'm going to choose to trust you no matter what. Next. I will look back at some of my winding road experiences to look for God's hand in changing my life. 
One of the best things that you could do is to look back at your life at some of the more challenging, difficult things you've experienced. If you look back, you'll see that God was at work that whole time, even when you didn't know he was there. That would be one of the best things you could do because that will bolster your faith. Number three, I commit to start coming to church regularly in 2015. Maybe that's one thing God's telling you to do. Not to come to church just, you know, Easter and Christmas, but you know what? I need to come to church regularly and make this a regular part of my life. And there's a lot of great things happening here at Parkway Fellowship. Um, maybe as you drove in uh, earlier this evening, you saw um, all the construction that we're doing behind the church. We're actually paving a bigger parking lot. Let's put the map up here. I can show you what we're doing. We're paving a new parking lot that will almost double the size of our existing parking to make it so much easier for people to get on the property as well as to get out of the property around the back. God's doing a lot of great things, not just with the parking lot, but changing people's lives. Would you be a part of that in 2015? Would you make that a commitment tonight? Next, I choose to believe that God has a good future awaiting for me. Sometimes you just have to choose to believe that, would you? Next, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If you've never prayed that prayer and you're ready to pray it tonight, in about 30 seconds, I'm going to give you your chance. Next, I will read the entire Christmas story with my family this Christmas. And that story is found in Matthew chapter 1 and 2, and then in Luke chapter 2. Would you make that a Christmas tradition for your family? You've already made coming to church tradition, but would you read the Christmas story together? That'd be a great thing to do. I'm going to give you a chance to pray here in just a second, but let me tell you what's going to happen. As soon as I finish praying, that's when our ushers are going to come light the candles. So as they come and light the candle, your candle, and they'll just light it at the end of, of just a few select rows, I want you to pass that flame to the people next to you and to the people behind you. So if you'll do that, then everybody can share in that experience. So right now, I want everybody to bow your head, close your eyes. And I want you to pray and ask God to help you follow through with your next steps. And if you're ready to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do that. So let's all pray silently right now. Father, I want to say thank you. Thank you, God, that you always have a purpose and a plan for every winding road, every blinding experience, and that you always have good things in store at the end. And so I pray for everybody that has become a Christ follower tonight, Lord, that you would help them to grow and deepen in their faith in you. And for those that are already Christ followers, Lord, I ask that you would help us to trust you every step of the way, just like Mary and Joseph did. No matter where that road might take us, you're the one always leading us by the hand. And so we trust you. And we want to especially thank you for Jesus Christ. Because as he was born on Christmas Eve, more than 2,000 years ago, he started the process where we would find forgiveness and find eternal life. And so we thank you for that, Lord. And it is in his name that we celebrate and ask all of these things. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.
It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.